Welcome to the third week of our special Advent Bible study called Incarnation. Each week we're looking at one of the special titles that was given to Jesus and the connection with that in Christmas, what it meant to uh, those people who were celebrating Jesus' birth 2,000 years ago and what it means to us 2,000 years later. We looked the first week at Jesus' royal titles, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the King, Last week, we looked at Jesus' title as the Savior, Christ the Savior. Jesus' very name, Yeshua, means God saves. So we looked at that last week, and tonight we're looking at Christ our Emmanuel, which means God with us. Uh, In a moment, we're going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you to follow the link that you will see on our Facebook Live page that will take you to a video uh, Called Amp- take you to a site called Amplify Media and, and you'll find a video there for week three of Incarnation. So in just a few minutes, when we watch the video here, it's about 13, 14 minutes long, then I'm going to invite you watching at home, you go and watch that as well. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about what we saw on the video But for now, um, I would like to ask you to just pause and pray with us this evening. Let's pray. O God, most high, who is like you, drawing near to those who are low and in need to raise them up? In your son, Jesus, you entered human life for a time that we might forever enter yours. May we sense you near even now through your spirit, that we may take heart in the darkest and most fearful times, trusting that you abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Amen. Okay, so again, if you will click on the link, you'll see on your Facebook Live page, it will take you to the third week video um, called Christ Emmanuel. And then we'll come back as we're about to watch the DVD here and then we'll talk about it. So we'll see you back in a few minutes.
Okay, as, as we're having this, this Bible study, um, I'm thinking about all of the things that uh, we had to do differently in 2020 because of, of the pandemic. And since we first started really dealing with it back in March, um, well, we started live streaming our Bible studies and live streaming our worship services. And we, uh, we were going into Easter. We're going into Holy Week. And we normally have noon, noonday um, services every day for Holy Week. And we did those by, by live stream this year. And for the first time maybe ever on Easter Sunday, we did Easter Sunday without people in the building well, other than those of us who were who were doing the live stream, we, we even did Easter egg hunts. Uh, instead of having our children gather together and do Easter egg hunts, we we took Easter eggs to to each child's home and we hid Easter eggs in their yard and we snuck away so that they could come out and find their Easter eggs later. Uh, we had I mean we had mer uh, virtual Mother's Day, we had you know virtual graduations, we had virtual annual conference, virtual Father's Day, so many other things, so many businesses had to adapt, so many people got sick, so many people lost jobs. There's a, a site that I follow called Bama Tracker that, that you can go with that keeps up with all of the COVID-19 numbers and I looked on there today just to see what's going on and uh, as of this morning, there were 311,316 deaths in our country from COVID-19. And as of this morning, there were 233 new deaths early this morning when I looked at it and probably more now. And I know that our healthcare workers are stressed. As a matter of fact, our youth group tonight is, is taking cookies and, and dropping them off to the hospitals for um, the, the workers in the ICUs. I, my, uh, I talked to my sister today. She's uh, a nurse practitioner. I know that everybody's stressed, everybody's stretched thin. Um, and yet we have the boldness to say um, that God is with us. That God is with us. God is with the, the parents who are having to try to teach their kids because they're at home. God is with us the teachers who are having to try to do lessons over video. God is with the nursing home residents who can't get to be with their family and those family members that are standing outside looking in the window trying to visit with their family member that way. God is with us. I want to read to you a, a little passage from um, pages 90 and 91 if you if you have the book in, Incarnation. Um, but it says this, as, as uh, Adam Hamilton was writing, it says, I'm writing, knowing things may get worse before they get better. I sit here bracing for what lies ahead, but I do so with hope, a hope that is rooted in Advent and Christmas. And I, I think we're, we're kind of in the same position. We, we're in a position where we suspect that things are going to get worse before they get better. Uh, we, have, uh, we have some new hope on the horizon with vaccines and things like that, but, but we know that things are not going to get better overnight, and yet we still have hope. And the reason that we have hope is because of Emmanuel. And remember what Emmanuel means. It means God is with us. Now, 
Let's just stop and think about how powerful that message is and how much our world needs to hear that today because this has been an awfully hard year. So Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew's account of Jesus' birth, he is the first one, he's the only one who really calls Jesus Emmanuel in the New Testament. And he is writing to Jesus' followers who, who would know the story from the prophet Isaiah. And he makes the connection, Matthew's Gospel makes the connection um, from the child being born in and being wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger makes a connection to the prophet Isaiah. And I want to, to share with you, it's, it's on page 98 if you're following along in the book. Um, much of what Isaiah prophesied, Adam Hamilton writes, was addressing specific circumstances of the prophet's day or the near future. But every generation of Jews that followed Isaiah's time looked at his words in light of their own time and heard in them a picture of how God might be working in their time as well. And so we are picking up and we're doing the exact same thing. We're looking at what Emmanuel means in our time. Now, uh, if, you, if you watched the, the message on Sunday when I preached about Christ our Emmanuel, I told you that on Wednesday night in our Bible study, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into the background of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 7. And that's just what we're going to do right now. We're going to look at that reference that Matthew uses in his gospel. And we're going to um, read from Isaiah chapter 7. And we'll just read verses 10 through 16, but go back sometime and read uh, from verse 1 through 16. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before this child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. Okay. In order to understand this, we got to go back many, many years before the birth of Christ. About 735 years, actually, before the birth of Christ. <clears throat> and at this point in Israel's history... It's helpful to remember that Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, had split into two different kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Nine out of the 12 tribes um, were made up the northern kingdom, and they split off because they rejected uh, King Solomon's son, Rehoboam, as their king. And they said, we're not going to follow him. So they split off. And uh, the capital of the northern kingdom was Samaria. And then the southern kingdom, made up of the other three tribes, which were Judah, Benjamin, and Simeon, uh, the, the northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah 
after the largest of those three tribes, and the southern kingdom's capital was Jerusalem. So that was what was going on uh, in Isaiah's time. So by the time Isaiah was writing this, the two kingdoms had been divided uh, for, for nearly 200 years, and sometime over, sometimes over that course of, of time, uh, they had got along well, and they had done things together. Sometimes they had fought with each other. Um, but around 735 or so B.C., and you can read this in, uh, in the third chapter of the book, Incarnation. You can read this in more detail. I'm just summarizing what you'll see in the book. About 735 B.C. or so, the northern kingdom Israel formed an alliance with the kingdom of Aram, A-R-A-M, the Arameans. And you can see, as a matter of fact, if you look in the book on page 94, you can see a really cool map that shows the northern and southern kingdoms, and it shows Aram too. So Israel, the northern kingdom, and Aram uh, made an alliance because they were sick and tired of the superpower Assyria um, just taxing them to death and, and, uh, and just really dominating like the bully on the playground. And they really wanted to, to form this alliance to go against Assyria and to, uh, and to stop all of this. And in order to do that, they needed Judah to come on board and, and, and be their allies as well. But um, the king of, of Judah, uh, who was Ahaz, didn't want to have anything to do with that. He rejected the plan, and he didn't want to join in with Israel and Aram to go against the Assyrian uh, empire. So he said no. And so because of that, the, the kings of Aram and Israel decided that they were going to attack Judah and that they were going to kill Ahaz and they were going to replace him with somebody who would go along with their plan. And word of this got to Ahaz and word of it got to the people of Judah and they were so afraid and, and, uh, in Isaiah 7 verse 2 it says that the people and the king Ahaz and the people uh, were so scared that their, their hearts within them shook like, like trees in the wind. And it was at that point that God told the prophet Isaiah to find King Ahaz and to tell him not to be afraid, not to be afraid because these, he called them two smoldering stumps of firebrands, referring to the two kings of Aram and Israel. He said, don't be afraid of them because what they're seeking to do to you is not going to happen and no harm is going to come to you from those two kings. Uh, I'm going to I'm just keep the faith. I'm going to take care of you. And then God told Ahaz to ask for a sign that this was going to take place, like he said, and it was going to be okay. And Ahaz refused to ask for a sign. He didn't want to do that. He didn't think he was worthy to do that of God, or maybe he was just stubborn. And so God said, okay, if you're not going to ask me, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. And this is, this is the sign I'm going to give you. A young woman is going to have a child, and she's going to name that child Emmanuel. And you'll notice in the, the Old Testament, Emmanuel spelled with an I, and Matthew's gospel is spelled with an E. 
No, no big deal about that. It's just two different languages. And the language in the Old Testament, it started with an I. And in the New Testament, it started with an E. Same thing. But that name means God with us. That child is going to be a visible sign, in other words, that God is going to keep his promise. And that the threat of these two kings is not going to uh, be something to be afraid of. So God said, here's what he said about Emmanuel back in 700-something B.C. He said, before this child gets old enough to know right from wrong, maybe, maybe um, old enough to choose right and wrong, um, maybe 12, 13 years old or something like that, the two kings that everybody's so afraid of, uh, they're going to be a history. They're, these two kingdoms are going to be abandoned. And so, lo and behold, it actually did happen that way. By the time Emmanuel would have been 12 or 13 years old, which would have been around 722 B.C., the Assyrian army uh, marched on the northern kingdom and destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel and took the people away into captivity. And not long after that, a couple of years after that, then Aram, the kingdom of Aram, was also destroyed by just like God had foretold. So that child, Emmanuel, whose name means God with us, was a living sign to King Ahaz and to Judah that God was going to be with them and that God was going to take care of them. And so now 700 years later, uh, Matthew connects the birth of Jesus uh, with the birth of that first Emmanuel um, to the kingdom of Judah. And he sees that just like Israel's Emmanuel, Jesus' Emmanuel is God's sign to us. I am going to be with you. And it may not look like it right now, but it really is going to be okay. Um, so that's how they're similar. That's, that's how... Isaiah's Emmanuel is, is, and Matthew's saying, look, this is, this is kind of like what God is doing through Jesus, except way better, okay? I told you how they're alike. Here's how they're different. The difference is that Isaiah's Emmanuel was, was just a, a regular kid. He was just a sign. Jesus' Emmanuel is actually God in flesh, which is what this whole study is about. Uh, it's a a word called incarnation and it means to to take on flesh so we we say that uh, that Jesus wasn't just a sign that God was with us he actually was God with us and and we see in Jesus's life the way uh, his words were God's words he he went around and he, he healed the sick and he fed the multitudes and he walked on water and he opened the blind eyes and unstopped deaf ears and he cast out demons and he even raised the dead. And so this is what the incarnation means to us and that's much different from the Emmanuel in Isaiah. We say that in Jesus, God actually became human. So when we say... God made flesh, and we say that Jesus was human. Um, how human was he? Um, and back in the, in the 
fourth century, the, the first few centuries of the, of the Christian church, there were groups of people that said, well, Jesus wasn't really human because the Gnostics didn't believe that anything good could dwell in, in the flesh. And so they just said, well, Jesus wasn't really human. He just kind of appeared to be human. He was, he was kind of an apparition. He just appeared to be human. And so all of these different heresies were going wrong. And then in 325 AD, uh, the Council of Nicaea, which you may have, have heard if you're a, a history nut like I am. The Council of Nicaea met and uh, the leaders of the church said, look, we've got to put this to rest. And here's what they declared, that Jesus is fully God and fully human. It doesn't sound like two things could be true uh, at the same time like that, but that's the, the full truth of the gospel. Jesus was the Son of God and the Son of Man. He was fully God and fully human. So what does it mean when we say um, that Jesus is fully human and that Jesus is God with us? I, I really like the way that it puts it in here on page 102 if you're, if you're following along in the book. Um, just talking about how Jesus was, was uh, God wrapped in human flesh, God in a body. And then this is at the bottom of page 102 in your book. Uh, he became human in Jesus. He experienced what we experience as humans. In Jesus, God experienced temptation, love, hunger, Joy, fear, friendship, grief, doubt, rejection, a sense of abandonment by God. On the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then even death. Jesus experienced all that. Jesus wept. He bled. He suffered. He died. And then he says this. He writes this. There's something profoundly moving about God actually knowing what we are experiencing as humans. And that's the way that I feel. That's exactly the way I feel about it. It's profoundly uh, moving to me that Jesus didn't just look like a human and take on the appearance of a human and that God wasn't just sitting in heaven imagining what it would be like to be human, but he actually was born and lived as a human. And that has a couple of implications that, that really we need to hang on to if we're going to, to embrace this truth of God uh, becoming flesh and Jesus our Emmanuel. One is, and this is so powerful and so, so moving at a time when everybody's afraid, that God really does know and God really does understand. And because of that, I can have confidence when I go to God and talk to God about my problem because God does understand. You know, when someone else has been through what you're going through, you know that they understand. You know that they do. Um, I'll give you an example. When uh, I was a junior in high school, my father passed away suddenly, and it was devastating to us, and we walked through uh, a lot of grief and a lot of pain and that was in kind of it was in March of that year. In July of that same year, one of my classmates' father also died suddenly, and my mother went to their home and sat down with his widow, uh, the mother of my my classmate that I graduated high school with, and she said, in a way that 
a lot of people couldn't say, I know what you're going through and I know what you're going to have to do to get through this and I'm going to be there with you. And by the way, that, uh, that person became uh, my mom's best friend. Uh, they, they really bonded and, and, and they shared that experience. And when my mom said, I know how hard it is, she really did know how hard it is. And so when we say that, that God knows and God understands, it's because God does know. God has experienced what human beings experience. And another thing is, um, when I know what God is really like, uh, and I know that God understands, um, if I want to know if what God looks like, if I want to know what God would do, and I want to know how God is, everybody wants to know how, what is God really like, then all I have to do is look at Jesus because Jesus was, was fully God in addition to being fully human. Uh, in the book of Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 says that in Christ, in Jesus, dwelt the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. So everything that God was, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, dwelt in bodily form in a way that we could see um, and understand and comprehend in Jesus the fullness of the Godhead Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwelt in bodily form and Colossians 1.15 it, it says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God because that's the thing about God is that we, we worship God and, and no one has ever seen God except through God with us, through Emmanuel, through Jesus. Jesus himself said in John chapter 10, verse 30, he said, um, the Father and I are one. And then he said in that wonderful chapter in John 14, he says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. When Philip said, Lord, just, just show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus said, look, Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So if I want to know what God looks like, since God is fully um, shown in Jesus Christ, then I have to just, all I have to do is look at the life of Jesus. Um, another thing that Emmanuel, God with us, means is not only that God understands and not only is God visible in the life of Jesus, but that God is still with us. I think it is so cool how Matthew begins the story of the birth of Christ by the angel telling uh, Joseph that uh, a child is going to be born and he's going to be uh, Emmanuel, God with us. He begins the story in his gospel with Emmanuel. And then at the very end of the gospel of Matthew, Matthew 28, uh, the very last words that Jesus says to his followers is he's sending them out into the world. He says, I am with you always even to the end of the age. So the gospel opens with the promise of Emmanuel, God with us, and it closes with Emmanuel saying, I'm always going to be with you, 
And Jesus continues to be with us. That's what I believe. That's what we Christians confess to believe that, that he is with us. We, we, talk to them, we talk to him every day. As, as Adam Hamilton said on his video, I talk to him every And I do too. And I'm sure you do too. Before I crawl out of bed every morning, I talk to the Lord. Before I go to bed every night, I talk to the Lord. All day long, I talk to the Lord just constantly because I really believe that he is with me. And it does bring me a lot of hope and it does bring me a lot of peace. And when I am afraid and when I don't know what to do, I, I am, I'm like that, that little dog that, that crawls up in his master's lap and just says, okay, if, you're just, if I know you're here, somehow I know it's going to be okay. Um, so we believe that the incarnation, we believe that Emmanuel, God with us, is not just from 2,000 years ago or from 2,700 years ago or from even longer ago than that. We believe that today, even now, even in the midst of a pandemic, that God is with us. So um, another thing, and we will we'll close with this because this is a challenge uh, every every study, every message needs to to have an application to to us, and it also needs to have uh, okay. So what? What's next? And here's the what's next. Here's the so what. Uh, we uh, are the body of Christ. We are called to be the incarnation, the presence of Christ to somebody else. So who is it that you can be an ongoing incarnation of, of Christ to? Who is going through something right now that you could help? And you could show them that somebody cares, that God is with them. Um, how is somebody going to know that God is with them unless we show them? How is somebody going to know that God really does care unless we show them? Um, how is somebody going to know that they don't have to be afraid? Unless we tell them it's going to be okay. We're going to be there with them. So we can be, uh, we can be an example of God with us to somebody else. Um, and that's what we're called to do. And that's a great calling. Um, I want to invite you to, to pray with me as, as we close out um, tonight. Let's pray. Oh God, our Lord, we are so grateful that you came to us in Jesus Christ, our Emmanuel. We are so grateful that you understand our humanity, our fears and our weaknesses, our succumbing to sin, those moments when we are less than what you wish us to be. You understand our love, our hurts, and our pain. You understand our struggle with grief and death. Thank you for revealing yourself to us in Jesus that we might know who you are and that we might walk with you and love you all of our days. Lord, use me, use us to be Emmanuel for those who don't know you. Help me, help us to incarnate your love and grace to all that we meet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us tonight. And join us again next week. Oh, let's see. Yes. Next week. <laughs>